But what a church member does, in my mind, is the same exact list as what a Christian does. Mm -hmm. A Christian serves, a Christian worships, a Christian gives, a Christian grows. Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast, where we exist to meet God, grow in Him, and serve through Him. Welcome to the C3 Podcast. My name is Nathan Perdue, and seated across from me is... Derek Mayfield. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Good morning, Nathan. I'm doing well. Uh, Let me start off with maybe a a gross understatement here. The last year hasn't really gone according to plan. Very true. That that would be a very large understatement. Um, We just went past the year anniversary of the roof blowing off of the church, Um, So it was good to get past that and be back in the new space. What did you do to celebrate? Um, I prayed when the storm was coming on the year anniversary that it would not be as bad. That's that's how I celebrated, (laughs) that we wouldn't have to do it again. Yeah. I, I was really surprised to think about like this last year because I started full time at the church one year ago. That's right. Like, And it has been... I feel like the stress level of four or five years uh-huh. all condensed into about an eighth month kind of thing going on here. Yes. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that we've said often is our, our church really is stronger because of the diverse, um, excuse me, the adversity that, that we've gone through. So talk a little bit about that. Why do you feel like the church is stronger because of these adverse situations? You know, I think... In life, as we go through difficult situations, um, that's what makes us grow. It stretches us beyond our comfort level and in a, in a personal way. But I think that happens for a church family as well. It, you know, that night when the roof blew off of the church was a very not fun night for me as a pastor at this church. And I remember driving up that night around, I think it was around 1030 or 11 o'clock, and um seeing the roof of the church laying in the parking lot and peeled off of the top of the building and just getting this sick feeling in my stomach. But then I was very encouraged right away seeing how many people were already there in the parking lot ready to do whatever needed to be done. You know, I never expected to go into the church at at 11 o'clock at night and be pulling things out as rain was coming inside the building. Um, but just seeing the way that our church family responded, not just that night, but all throughout the this last year and dealing with, again, not only the roof coming off, but the pandemic and all the changes and, and uncertainty with that um, has just been an incredible thing to, to see and be a part of. And, and I've, I've said it multiple times this last year, but I've never been more proud to be a pastor here at Celebration in seeing just the resilience of our, our people, of our church. And, and knowing that we're getting stronger through all of this, and it's very apparent in, in many conversations and just things that happen at our church, that this is, this is, these are opportunities to really tear apart a church family. Right. Um, but instead, our church family has responded by coming together and just growing stronger, and, and I couldn't be more proud of our church for that. A phrase that's commonly used um, by pastors, staff members, uh, congregants, is that the church isn't a building. But it's the people, and I think that when we have some catastrophic issue with the building, we have that tangible reminder mm-hmm. of the relational nature of what it means to be a church. It doesn't mean to have this really nice location to gather, mm-hmm. but it simply is the people that are gathering together. So Absolutely. maybe if we stretch that idea that the church isn't a building and apply it to our current situation in the middle of a pandemic. Lots of people don't feel comfortable about meeting at church in person, at the church building right. in person. So maybe one of the things that we can really mention is is the onset of a more digital church and what that looks like and how that might be a more meaningful experience. So what is your first perception? What are some good things? What are some things that raise concerns for you about the phrase digital church? Sure. Um, you know, digital church is is an opportunity. I think that that I want to see 
um, us really dive into because I think there's the ability to connect with people on a completely new and unique way that there hasn't been in the past for the church. And, you know, I can, I can sit on my couch in my, my living room and I can order just about anything I want to on, on, my, on my phone. Um, or my computer, and we we needed to get a new lawnmower um, for the house that we we moved into this last year. And I was sitting there researching them online, and I could have ordered the lawnmower and had it delivered to my front door in two days. If I can connect with with opportunities to buy something or or connect with other things in that way, I should be able to do that with the church as well. And so I think this is an opportunity for the church. Um, but but going back to what concerns me is I, I think it's hard to replace that personal interaction that you get face-to-face. Um, and, and we're made for relationships like that. We're made for um, connecting with people in that way. And so um, I don't want to completely lose that either. And so I think it's finding that balance of, of allowing digital church to be something that's an opportunity, um, but not a replacement necessarily. Yeah, I think that some people can have you know, a preconceived notion of, of when you use a word like mm-hmm. digital church sure. or, or church membership, um, which is kind of the topic of, of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's not objectively bad to be a digital church or right. objectively good. One of the good things is that regardless of your location mm-hmm. and regardless of the medium, you can have a meaningful experience and feel connected to people. I don't think that, um, that what you mean by being able to sit on your couch and connect with your church is something that's necessarily out of convenience for you. Right. The concern that I think that I have that that I think that other people would echo is that, you know, if we're making something more convenient and more consumer driven, because there are so many churches that do things digitally that do them very, very well, right. um, it turns into this thing where where I, I am looking to be entertained mm. rather than I am looking to bind myself to a specific group of people that are united in faith to be able to carry out the work that we feel that God is calling us to within our community. Um, there's some some research that, that recently came out, and I'll link this in the show notes, but it said that during the initial, uh, excuse me, the initial lockdown that about a third of uh, church attendees stopped watching their church's digital services or started watching someone else's digital uh, services. Does that concern you, or what does that make you feel? You know, I, it concerns me not because not because I want to make sure that they're watching us and right. not someone else. Right. Um, it concerns me that, like you just said, that if that's a consumer mentality that's causing that, um, that's concerning because we need community and we need that faith community um, to surround us and, and to do life with. And if we just tune into a church from, from California or Texas or wherever, but we don't actually engage with that community, then I feel like we're missing out. And so, um, you know, I think that I, I'm an introverted person myself. Um, but it's still important for me to be connected with people. And so I can understand the draw of of digital church and online church for people, uh, but there's still a time where we've got to have people with us and we're made for those relationships. And so my biggest concern would be that that's more just out of convenience and this looks good as opposed to really connecting with with that church. And so if someone finds a church in Texas and they connect with them online and and they're engaging in that community in a in a thoughtful way and in an encouraging way and a faithful way, then I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that because it's we're all we're all working for the same goal. But I I'm just afraid that that's the the concern of digital church and online church is that it just becomes for convenience as opposed to um, it's hard to replace some of that community. And so, um, you know, that's why we're trying to be very thoughtful in how we would go about it, because there's always going to be a church that can do it better than us. You know, no matter how good we get at it, there's always a church that could provide something more, um, for lack of better terms, of entertainment value. Um, but we want to provide the opportunity to people who feel drawn or connected to celebration to get that same feeling digitally that they do when they come to a physical campus for us. Yeah. 
I think one of the, the important things is that it's okay to prefer different styles of teaching, different right. methodology of, of teaching. However, the best churches are rooted in service of their local community mm -hmm. and speak the language of their local community. So you're actually missing out on something contextually in the same way that when we read the Bible, we're kind of reading as a stranger right. to the, the context and the history of the community to which they're writing to. So hopefully the pastors that we engage with are thinking contextually about how this applies to their people Right. in their physical location because, you know, it's going to be different doing church in the Pacific Northwest sure. to the Midwest mm -hmm. to the Deep South. Right. I mean, those are, are very different locations, and those people need different things, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to enjoy or to prefer that as well if we mention the caveat that you have to be grounded with a body of believers that is pushing you to do the work of the gospel. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned this. There's there's a lot of content that other churches put out or that other people put out. Um, so what was one of the reasons that that compelled you to, to be like, you know, Celebration sh should do a podcast as well? Sure. You know, I think as we were beginning to talk about what does it look like to reach people in a digital era, and obviously our, our, our world is moving more and more towards that, this was a medium where we felt we could have a deeper conversation about some of these things that maybe don't fit into um, a weekend service um, that we want to have maybe a little bit more of long form conversations about um, and really dive into what does it mean to be a part of Celebration Community Church. Again, we're never going to be the best podcast out there. There's always going to be people that are going to be more entertaining than I am or you are. Um, but that's not the goal of this. We're not trying to entertain people. We're not trying to make a big name for ourselves by doing a podcast. We want to do a podcast for the people of Celebration Community Church. If you're not a part of Celebration Community Church and you're listening to that, that's totally fine. Like We welcome you, and we're, we're glad you're here. But our goal with this podcast is to strengthen our body, um, strengthen the body of, of Celebration Community Church through um, stories, through um, talking about um, different theological things through talking about just different things that go on within the the life of our church. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're here to try to strengthen each other and grow um, our church family. Right. I think that an analogy is really nice here. Um, through adolescence, uh, English teachers talk about writing with voice, mm -hmm. how to make your writing, whether it be something nonfiction or, or something more uh, fantastic, to sound like you. And we want this po this podcast to sound like Celebration Community Church. We don't want it to sound like somewhere larger or, or smaller. We want it to sound like the things that we say. And we want to connect and, and show what it meaningfully means to be a part of Celebration Community Church. So to start off this uh, conversation, we really wanted to ask, you know, what does it mean to be a part of a church? What does it mean to be a, a member of a church? And we thought, who better to uh, ask about that than our senior pastor, Brant Rice? So an interview about what it means to be a church member will be upcoming uh, very shortly. Thank you for tuning in to the C3 Podcast. Good morning, Pastor Brant. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing great. I am grateful to hear it. So I want to just warm you up because I'm going to imagine that podcasting is not just a novel hobby of yours. It is not. This is my first podcast ever. Well, congratulations. I hope this is Thank your you. best or it can only go up from here. It Something like that. Both. Yeah. <laughs> best so far. It's gonna, yeah, it will be the best. Up. I guarantee yeah, it'll be the best uh, podcast I ever did. So... <laughs> Got a quick question for you. Okay. What is your favorite sport? To watch or to play? Yes. A football. Football? Yeah. Okay. So I just want you to imagine this hypothetical situation. Aliens come to Kansas of all the places that they could come. Have you been reading the news? It's happening. UFOs I mean, are real. They are real. So it may, it may be that this we don't call hypothetical them becomes a oh, little bit sorry. more... Uh, 
realistic, but they come and they are asking about what it means to be a human. And you say football and they say football. What's that? How would you describe football <laughs> to someone who's never, who has no understanding of what football actually would be? <laughs> oh boy. Do, but I can speak in English. Yes. Oh, well, that's good. Cause I don't know any other language. Okay. So football is a game that you play that has very little involvement with the foot at all. It is a sport that is called the same thing in every other part of the world for a different sport. And one that actually means like football and looks like football. And the aliens are already extremely confused. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And, and you play with an oblong a structure that's called a football. Once again, very, very seldom does it touch a foot. And it's made of leather, but we call it a pigskin. So there you go. That's football. Enjoy. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. You've been a pastor for how many years now? 19 here 19. at Celebration. Yep. What do you think is someone who's who's not a pastor? What is the biggest misconception that you run into about what it means to be a pastor? This could be funny. This could be mm. not funny. It's probably going to be a mixture of the bo- of both of those things yeah. to you. But what would it be? Wow, biggest misconception. I think the biggest misconception is that it's not a full time job. Or and what that, other job do you have? And what other? I've never been asked that, Derek. <laughs> this week. I think the biggest misconception um, is that people have no idea that it is, I've heard it said it's a, it's a doctor's schedule with a pauper's pay and, and, uh, and, you know, so you're not in it for the money. Well, (laughs) um, but, but, you know, I think that there's misperception. I remember, and, and, and here I am, I started in ministry June 4th, 2001, I, I went and got a desk my first day to, in Salina, brought it back to Hayes, set it up, put my feet up on the desk and thought to myself, I get to sit here and I get to read my Bible as long as I want to <laughs> any day of the week and I'll be doing my job. This thing that I have eluded in, in so many times be, be, that has eluded me because I didn't have time to, to pour the time into it um, and then ministry happened. So I think there's just a misperception that pastors don't just set at home until they, you know, get 30 minutes to write a sermon for the weekend that, that right. it's, I don't say this in any way to, 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 to make anybody feel sorry for pastors, but it's, it's a hard job. It's a right. very hard job. Yeah. I imagine that the, just your availability compared to the next person, you know, I was a teacher before I was mm-hmm. a, a ministry worker and I, I liken those two to being somewhat similar mm-hmm. because I never felt like I had any time away from my job. No, you were never, you were never so off the clock. I was a teacher too for five years before right. I went into ministry. And yeah. You, you never feel caught up and you never, and you never feel like you're not on, on the clock. Yeah. There's some similarities there for sure. Yeah. And anything that goes into, you know, careful planning or something, it feels like it comes at the expense of connecting with others at, yeah. at some times. Oh, um, absolutely. So that, can, that can be a really difficult thing to, to balance, to always feel like there's something that you should be doing. It's a lot easier to have friends though, as a teacher than it is to have friends as a pastor. If I yeah. can throw that out there. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, also let the record show that June 4th, 2001, I was seven years old at that time. So <laughs> do you feel old yet? I feel mature, seasoned, there we go. experienced, seasoned, <laughs> yes. whatever helps you sleep at night, right? <laughs> I, I don't have, I, I get up and pee a few times, but yeah, whatever makes me sleep at night, Nathan, thanks. <laughs> so uh, you, you attended church essentially your, your whole life first yes. in, in Norton, yes. then when you went to, to college and then a couple of churches prior to finding your home at, at C3. Right. Tell me why you felt it important to, to go to church, to be a part of a church. Mm. I was brought up in a church. Uh, my family did not um, go to church to, I don't feel, to, to grow in our faith. I think we went to church because that's what you do. And I uh, went to a wonderful church growing up, small church, 80 to 120 people, probably most of my childhood. 
pastor I was extremely close to growing up that left when I graduated from high school. And, and so I always had a very good experience with church. I think I've always intrinsically known that I wanted to be part of a church. It was never in question. In fact, the time, the time in my whole life that I went to church, the, the, the fewest amount of times was my two years at a Christian college. Hmm. Ironic, huh? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I want to kind of flesh that out a little bit more because in my experience, I felt not connected to the church when I was growing up in, in middle school and high school. I knew that we needed to attend church. It was more out of moral obligation than a real right. desire to connect myself to community. And especially mm-hmm. when you're surrounded with with Christian culture, like at a Christian college, it may feel like, oh, that moral obligation is already checked off. Mm. So so what was the, the shifting point from, you know, I have this obligation to do Christian things to, man, I want to go to church. I want to be plugged mm-hmm. in to, to the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I loved to go to church. I never bucked it. I never didn't look forward to it. We didn't have children's church during, you know, we had Sunday school, loved it, little tiny church. Um, I loved being in the presence of God's family in the church building. So when I got to college and and began to, I guess, own my own faith, and Dee Lynn and I got married. We got married young. I was 22. She was 18. Um, you know, nobody thought we would make it. And, and if we weren't both so darn stubborn, we never would have because the first three years of our marriage were terrible. Um, but it was during that time, during our second year of marriage, that we began attending church. And we just knew it's something that we wanted to do. Were you in Hayes at that point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you went to a couple of churches yes. prior to uh-huh. attending Celebration. Right. Um, I remember you telling a story at the first time that you attended. It was at the high school, correct? When they were still yeah. meeting at the high yep. school. Yep. And you felt like that was the, was home. So, oh, yeah. to, so to bring it a little bit uh, you know, closer to to home, what made celebration feel like, man, I belong here? I think the very first time that that we walked up the sidewalk, we knew. We walked up the sidewalk. There were two men on the sidewalk, a quick story. Uh, both of them I had known. One was from my hometown uh, who grew up an absolute heathen. Um, the kid that grandpa always said, don't be like him. And um, he was greeting on the sidewalk. Another guy I had played um, basketball against on, on city basketball league, um, who I also knew had not been a Christian man, uh, greeted me at the sidewalk and, and instantly thought to myself, gosh, if God can bring this kind of joy into these, these people, then there's something good going on here. I came, I came into the church with Dylan, um, loved the music, just loved the life in the church, and there were maybe 80, 90 people in the church at that time. It wasn't big. It was a new church, a year old. Um, but I knew that we knew then walking out that this is, we just felt, even before we knew anybody in the church, knew anybody, we felt connected. At that point in your experience, what would you have said being a part of the church would look like or being a member of the church what would that then back then Mm -hmm. oh back then i would i well i grew up in a church where membership simply meant if you wanted to call yourself a member of the church you just came to church and you were a member and so i grew up with a very loose understanding of what church membership was um when d lynn and i started coming to celebration uh, we took the membership class interested in what that entailed and so that, that's kind of how that process came about. But I would have said, well, to be a church member, you go to church and you're committed to attending at that time, really, mm-hmm. is, is what I felt church attendance meant, because that's all I knew. So at, at a popular level at this point, what do you think just someone would think that church membership would mean? Is it a contract that you sign? Mm. I mean, Oftentimes that I've heard you say, you know, the church is not a a holy huddle or like a a membership club. Um, So what places do we have a a poor understanding of what church membership 
is. And yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Well, you know, I remember when I found out the celebration had an actual process for membership, I, I bucked it a little bit. I, I was against having to do things because in my mind, membership was was inclusive, not exclusive. And so this, I had this thought of to be a member, that exclusivity of being a church member was something I didn't really want to be part of. And I had to kind of hear the reasoning behind it. And we've kind of gone back and forth over the years as a church to what membership is. I still struggled with having my name on a roster that somebody else who could be walking just as closely with Christ or closer with with Christ than I was would not be on this list. And so there was, to me, a injustice, a chasm there that didn't really, it took a long time for me to to accept. When we started, at, so, so looking at misconceptions, obviously the misconception, it's a, it's a exclusive club. It's, um, it's a, a Christian country club where either you are or you aren't, and that, that people will look at you different at a church, whether you're a, a member or an attender or a guest for that matter. And, and so there, there's the misconception about that as far as that word member. And we've had this conversation recently that, uh, you think about membership in our communities today, membership can have very negative consequence con- connotations. Um, being a member of something could mean that you're more important than others. Being a member can mean that you or not being a member can mean you can't afford to do something or that you're not as special, um, but you know something you said to me was you look at the at the body of Christ you use this imagery of the body of Christ that Paul talks about in Corinthians and it's important to be a body part and the body can't function fully and healthily without every body part being present Derek, how about you? What what was your experience um, with this terminology of church membership? Um, was it a positive or a negative connotation for you? It, the church I grew up in, um, it was a it was a Lutheran church, and so for membership as a as a child who went to the church, as you grow up, you go through this process called catechism, um, and you you learn what it means to be a Lutheran and and why we do the things that. That we do, and so it appeared to be a a necessary step to be a larger part of the church um, as a middle school student. Um, it had some negative connotations for me eventually because I began to ask some questions, um, and to just be very blunt, I wasn't given real answers. I was just kind of told to believe it because I'm supposed to, and so. Um, for me, that really lost the desire to be a part of a church for a while um, until I came to celebration and saw it done a little bit differently. But I think that a membership is a, a word that, you know, we've talked a lot about having some baggage too because of how it looks in our communities, whether that's negative because you can't be a member of something because you can't afford it, like a country club or something like that, or or membership just doesn't mean as much anymore because you don't sign into a, a longer contract or things like that. And so I think that membership is is very different today than it would have been viewed, you know, last the last ten years ago or a couple decades ago, simply because of what that term means from um, a perspective of being connected to something or some organization. It's, it's, it looks very different today than I think it did in the past. Yeah. I just kind of want to summarize your guys's thoughts. Uh Um, and then maybe we can just take a look at what the Bible, um, does to inform us about what it looks like to be a church member. What, what I heard from you and what I gathered is membership was kind of this exclusive, one-sided accountability where individual is accountable for attendance, participation to the church. It didn't feel like the church um, was accountable to you in any way, shape, or form. It was a relationship where you entered into a pact and you had to produce things. Yeah, it kind of felt like you're part of a 
class roster, like in a, you know an elementary school when they're going through roll. Like that was the point of being in, in membership was you got added to the class roster and now you're a part of the part of the team. But really, a lot of it was just kind of left on you of what does that actually mean? That might be one of the, the redeeming things, because I think that we all would agree that accountability within the body of Christ is a really important thing in terms of success in your personal and your relational life. Oftentimes, I think that gets misused in ways that it's just attendance or um, tithing to the church. All good things, but then when they're put in this, you're not a part of the church because you don't do these things, that can be really, really damaging to someone. So um, perhaps let's, instead of just moving away and dismissing a theology of what it means to be a church member. Let's reframe with a, with a better understanding of, of what it means to be a church member. So uh, where, where would you say that the church begins? Where do you start to see um, the church in the story of God really emerge as its own distinct organism? Yeah, I think part of that de- depends on what your, your definition of church is. You know, uh, Moses and the Israelites in in the desert and having a portable tent, the tabernacle that they set up, took down, set up, took down, set up, took down. Um, you know they were they were worshiping. That was worship. It certainly is is nothing close to what we call church today. The temple that when 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 Solomon's temple was built and the Jewish people had a place to go when they would go to a synagogue and do scripture reading and prayer. Uh, altogether very different than what we do. You look at Jesus, though, at the Last Supper, and Jesus at the Last Supper, I've just come to realize over the last several years that Jesus at the Last Supper and the events that happened there, aside from him talking about Judas's betrayal, was very much uh, close to a model that, that we used to do church. They, they had a teaching. I mean, they, they shared a meal together, you know. Um, we don't do that when we come to a Sunday morning service, but they shared a meal together. So, that, so they spent time together. They, uh, they had a lesson. Jesus taught them. Um, if you read the Gospels and put them all together, that was quite an evening of teaching by Jesus, preparing them for when they were to carry on his ministry. Okay, well, that's what we do in church today. They sang a hymn. They prayed, and then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And so you look at that, and that was almost kind of a outline of a church service. And so you look at that, you look at Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and people could make the assertion that that is when the Christian church started with thousands of people with Peter teaching and all of this, you know, looking at it on a on a timeline of like, here's the dot, this is the point the Christian church started. I think the church developed or began developing the Christian church after the resurrection after the resurrection of Christ, I think we can make an argument for a whole lot of different oh. historical points in time that that were part of that starting of the church. Just one one thing that I thought was really interesting supplementally when you're talking about the Last Supper is, is Jesus, the one who is glorified, the one who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, serves the others, Absolutely. making them feel more value. Yep. Um, and that's, that's the first thing that's that happened That's supposed to be there. a part yeah. of the the... Absolutely. Church gathering as well. Absolutely. Not only is is worship. Not only is the meal, which I would posit that communion is is the meal. Yeah, that we yeah I thought of that as right? I was saying it. Sure, um, I didn't want to get too theological on you, though. I didn't want to lose you, Nathan. <laughs> not in episode one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll save that. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Jesus kind of models that, and then you know. Jesus tells the the disciples to wait until the helper comes, right. to wait until the Holy Spirit comes mm-hmm. for the real commissioning mm-hmm. of, of the church to begin. And then we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47, they def- devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They have meals together. They pray for each other. They share their possessions. Yep. And that sounds like a really great thing to be a part of. Doesn't that sound like what a healthy family does? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, 
one of the things that's that's difficult about really using the Bible to inform how we live is is there aren't these real clear directions. There's not an appendix steps for Here's creating how to do a church, church right? Yeah. So, what are some texts that you have used uh, from from the Bible to to really inform? what it means to be a part of a church, what a church should do. Oh, man, all over, all over the place. Um, primarily New Testament, um, because our def- with the definition we use of the church, the body of Christ. You know, Paul talks about the body in 1 Corinthians over and over again, the different parts of the body needing each other. He, he talks about the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the believers in order to edify who? God, yeah. not in me. Right. Equip the saints. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we we use uh, scriptures out of Acts talking about what you just said. They they shared everything. They we call this doing life together. To be part of a church, they did life together. They shared possessions. They gave freely, not just of their money, but of their resources, of their time, to taking care of those who were in need. All of these are scriptures and elements that we use don't don't uh, or continue gathering together. I mean, we we take so many verses from so many places, and you can, I, I would think of it more of, of a list of bullet points of what a church looks like or what a church member does. But what a church member does, in my mind, is the same exact list as what a Christian does. Mm-hmm. A Christian serves. A Christian worships, a Christian gives, a Christian grows, a a Christian connects with other Christians. And so that list goes on and on. But I think really the definition of a healthy church and a healthy church member goes right to the, the individual's walk with God. And as my walk with God becomes stronger and healthier and more mature, my commitment and involvement and bringing of health to the church increases as well. And I think that, I think that, uh, that relates to the fruit of the spirit. Absolutely. Like if, if each of us individually are working on the fruit of the spirit and trying to increase that in, in our personal relationship, that's going to trickle into what the church does. Without a a doubt, without that, that's, that's nine bullets right there. The fruit of the spirit from Galatians five. The humility um, that the Spirit equips us with allows us to connect to the body in perhaps a more meaningful way. Yeah. When we look at the the biblical text, the word that we translate as church is is ecclesia, mm-hmm. right? And and that typically in in other um, first century texts ha- has to do with a public gathering to meet. Um, yeah. To meet. So yeah. let's let's fast forward two thousand years mm-hmm. and let's let's look at the example of the early church versus the modern church. I mean, we're still gathering. If we look at those things that Jesus mm-hmm. was doing, we, we worship together. Yeah. We have a meal. We take communion together. Mm-hmm. Um, we receive teaching, hopefully talk to and love one another. Mm-hmm. Um where are we missing the mark? It sounds like at face value that mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of these things. Here's right? where, here's where here's where we're missing the mark, Nathan. They will know we are Christians by our love. And Christianity has this reputation of people who are judgmental and people who are condemning and people who are hypocritical, all of which I'm guilty. Um, as Paul says, you know, of, of all of all the sinners, I'm the worst, you know, and I'm, I can sit here and I can say the same exact thing. When the church, and, and, and please hear me, I'm not saying in any way the church loves by condoning sin. And that is where it's twisted. Now, Christians are guilty of being hypocritical and judgmental and all this. Where the world twists Christianity, though, is it turns anything that we disagree with on the basis of what the word of God says into judgmentalism. And, and so I I will never say that we love people and ignore sin. And, and, but, but I think, I don't think it's an either or thing. 
I think we love people even in the midst of their ugliness, even in the midst of their sin, because that's what God does. And so I think that's number one where the church has missed the mark. And, you know, you look at, at our church's desire to help in the foster system and fostering children. You know, Nathan, you have a foster child. I, I've, I've had a foster child that I adopted. And, and why do we do this? Well, it was the church's responsibility in the first place. The church dropped the ball. That's why the state took it over. And you, everybody can be mad at the state for all of the things that are screwed up in the, in the system. What does it come back to? The church not doing their job. Yeah. Primarily, first and foremost, you know, I think that we just have that. We, we equate church being a building, right? Sure. A place of attendance. Right. And oftentimes on the words of, of leaders in our churches, the church isn't just a building, right. but it's a community. We could even go so far as, as we have so far as say it's the body of Christ. Then I hear you saying that the functions of the body of Christ should be done out of love and not out of moral obligation mm -hmm. and not out of exclusivity. Yep. Right. So, um, or guilt or, or penance or whatever right. you want. Yeah. Right. So with, with that knowledge of, of what it should be like, how do we, in this cultural moment, in the midst of a pandemic, mm. when physical gathering yeah. is is a little bit scary to do for a yeah. lot of people, how do we continue and and continue to become the body of Christ that Jesus intended for us? Yeah, in the midst of this, man. Yeah, uh, here's <laughs> this. This came into my head pulling into the parking lot of the church this morning. When I think about uh, how we are sometimes made to do church um, online, um, and and for, for years, you know, when I I remember clear back in 2012 when I started reading about online campuses that were forming, and I was so like, oh, that's so not church. That's so not church. That's so not church. And uh, here's 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 how far I've come in the last eight years. So I'm driving up the the, the driveway of the church today. And it just pops into my mind that if there's a really good movie that we, the three of us want to see, there's a really good movie. And I, and I call you guys up and I say, Hey, uh, this movie, we can stream it live in our own homes in front of our 32 inch TV. Um, and let's, let's stream that together at four o'clock today. And the three of us all watch it. We're all sitting in our own living rooms. There's, there's really not much going on between the three of us, but we're all three watching it at the same time, right? So that's uh, opportunity number one. Opportunity number two, I call you guys up and say, hey, the movie theater's opening back up. I'll buy the buttered popcorn, the milk duds, and the Coke slushes, and I'll meet you at the theater at 345, and we'll go watch the movie together. Which would you rather do? Coronavirus aside, we, we, I would think we would want to do that because there's something about the three of us that when that actor says something funny or when that exciting scene happens or something that blows your mind, that the interaction between the three of us is altogether different than, than us sitting at home. So movie versus uh, theater versus Netflix or theater versus a, a live stream. But that doesn't mean that there's not things that we could do. Hey, let's let's stream this at four at the same time. Let's FaceTime each other during the movie. So even right. though we're not together, so we're still sharing inside jokes. We're still laughing together. We're still experiencing it together. I think that needs to be the goal as we, as a society, not just COVID-19. Right. I think that expediated it, obviously. Yeah, right. uh, but, but, you know, we have been in this, in this place of, uh, of deconstructing relationship for a decade or more in our society because of computer screens and technology can be beautiful, can be wonderful, but we've really moved away from true face-to-face -face relationship. Right. So 
It's it's interesting that you say that. I can't think for the life of me. There's a there's this musicologist that has written a book about music. Derek, that's a person that studies music. I have my <laughs> oh, dictionary here. Musicologist. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Go, sorry, Nathan. Nathan. You yeah. can just keep Derek up. I'll text oh, yeah, it. I'll, te- I'll text you next time. Derek. Okay. So, perfect. So what he says is is the way in which you listen to the music. He calls it musicking, M-U-S-I-C-K-I-N-G. The context in which you engage with the particular content actually changes your mind about it. It changes mm. the the purpose of it in, in your mind. And I think that that's very true when we uh, apply it to the physical versus electronic gathering. So think about this. Think about watching a concert um, from your house yep. versus actually being at that concert. That's a visceral experience yeah. to be at a concert, to be smelling the smells. I mean, you can't to break be your foot. Listening to things, yes. On you your couch. At, not that that's ever happened to someone. Can't or shouldn't. I think yes. you can break your <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's you're, you're, yeah. that's a, that, that's exactly right. The experience is altogether different. However, you you invite your your friends over to your house to watch that concert on TV. It's an altogether different experience, right? Sure. Yeah. So what I what I hear you saying is, regardless of that medium, while there is a difference, it can still be meaningful. So yes. one digital church is okay. But I hear the caveat that we're going to kind of move to next is that Mm. regardless of whether you're in person or you're at home watching or elsewhere watching, the church service, engaging in the church service is a supplement and is not the fulfillment of being a part of the body of Christ. It's, it's It's a small, dare I say, as a pastor who preaches, it's a small part. Right. 90% 90% of our spiritual growth should happen outside the walls of the church. And we need not diminish the value because there's so many oh, amazing things no. that are happening when we gather. And, and a church service is a good thing, so, so don't hear us disparaging the fact that we, we should meet. Yeah. However, we're Christians on more than just yeah. Saturday or Sunday. And I think we have, yeah, in, in this COVID thing and, and virtual church has, like I said, expediated us realizing that. And you said, you know, digital church is okay. It's not only okay, we have found it's inevitable. Yeah. And so we can buck that and we can try to, to, or we can say, how can we still be the body of Christ? How can we still fellowship? How can we still grow together? How can we still celebrate together? How can we still suffer together? All of the things that close, intimate Christian relationships that God desired, how do we make that happen? Well, and I think that it's important to... I think there's this idea that church online or digital church is this replacement for in-person activity or in-person yeah. services. And and I want to I wanna see that... I don't want to see it as a replacement. I want to see it as an addition, something that can be added to the experience yeah. of a community. Right. So whether that's the online service or that's something digitally that's happening during the week, that these are opportunities to add to the experience of being together and growing as a family. You know, I, I, I kind of relate it to you know, I, most of my family, uh, well, my, my immediate family does not live in Hayes. So there's great digital tools, whether that's FaceTime, texting, Marco Polo, whatever it is that I have to stay connected with my family. But just because I have those... Is that a pool game? Marco, no. (laughs) Marco. Thanks, Uh, Dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) What'd you say about my age a little bit ago? Sorry, Dad. That's right. Yeah, dad age. All right. Um, (laughs) But but really, like it's this opportunity for me to stay connected with my family, but that doesn't mean that I never want to get together with my family then, physically. Like I never want to be in the same place. Like when there's holidays, when there's birthdays, when there's opportunities to get together. Do you want to do Christmas virtually this year? Right. Which, Which if I get snowed in and I can't make it and we could FaceTime and do some stuff and still do it, that's 
Awesome. That's that's great. Like awesome. that's a great opportunity to have instead of just being away from each other. But it's not the same. Nope. And there's still that desire to be together at certain times. But when we can't physically be together, what a great tool to stay connected to each other. And that's what I want to see happen within the church is that we can digitally use these tools that we have that have been created by by so many incredible people to be additions to what it means to being a part of a church family. So, you know, I think that we're all at the same place that technology is not inherently wrong and it can mm. be a great way to supplement the life of a, a Christian. However, there needs to be something outside of just engaging in something, whether it be in person or, um, or technologically engaging in that. So I think the, the question is, you know, as a, as a member of a church, like how does that change my spiritual development? How does that help in my spiritual development? What is the, the real reason to be a part of a church when looking at it through the lens of spiritual mm -hmm. development? We need each other. We need we need each other. I need you guys. Um, some of us are self starters. Some of us are people who do not need um, a spiritual kick in the butt very often. I think we all are are kidding ourselves if we think we never need a spiritual kick in the butt. Um, but I would I would venture a guess that most people, when it comes to uh, spiritual disciplines, absolutely need other people to push them along. This is this this is where it goes outside the church walls that if we connect with other Christians through the avenue of church then the goal being that we do life together outside of the church. So we don't just meet for a Bible study on Wednesday night, but we're going out to eat on Friday night. We are asking tough questions to each other. We're 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 taking part in each other's lives. We're watching each other's kids. We're supporting, supporting each other when, when the kids are off the rails. You know, these are all things that you can get glimpses of outside of the community of Christ. But there's a level of fulfillment when Christ is in the middle. Because without Christ, where's the hope? So talk about, you You mentioned spiritual disciplines. What are some of those spiritual disciplines that you find that a church body can do that an individual cannot necessarily do on their own? Uh, an example of that would be worship for me. While right. there is personal worship uh, in Romans 12 talks about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, yep. I would think about music uh, musical worship in the gathered context when Colossians 3 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell richly among us as we sing songs. That's that's a relational function yeah. right there. We're, we're singing songs of encouragement, of hope, of truth to each other, looking outside of, of the temporal and, and looking at something a little bit more transcendent to say that yeah. this is our hope. This is our anchor to our soul. This is who Jesus is. And in some ways that, that that's uh, something that, that develops me as a person, that equips me with the language that I need to use when I talk to God outside of a gathered context. So what are, what are some other spiritual disciplines yeah, that you find well, that? Like, I want to touch on something you just said. You cannot replicate worship through music in a community. You, you can't replicate that no matter how, uh, how much technology you have. There, there is nothing like standing in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ and singing praises and songs of worship to God. I'll say the same thing about prayer. You know, corporate prayer is powerful. And we know the prayer, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Yes, that individually. Um, and, and obviously more time is needed for that than corporate prayer. More time is, is available for that than corporate prayer. Um, you can say the same thing for just, I mean, this word presence. I desire to be in the presence of God. And if I desire to be in the presence of God, the more I desire to be in the presence of God and the older I, the older I get, the more I 
desire to be in the presence of God's people because it edifies. I think that there's something like really neat about picturing the idea that the Holy Spirit indwells in the hearts of each believer so that when we're gathered, we, we can be assured of, of the fact that, that God is there with us and not only just present, but actively doing something. Uh, something that, that I, I really cling to is the fact that when you are preaching, Brant, or if you are preaching, Derek, that the Holy Spirit is actively working in me to one, help me understand, but two, help me desire mm. that, right? So it's it's not just, you know, oh, God is here, right? But it's God is working when we're gathered. And, you know, the the, the message of the gospel and the power of, of God transcends every medium to which right. that has ever applied to. So mm-hmm. it need not be that I'm sitting in our sanctuary. I may be sitting at home watching the service, but God has superseded that specific medium and is actively working in me. So I'm doing yeah. something communal at right. that same time. And not to mention the fact that we're reaching people, I say we being the church collectively, right. we're reaching people that would not, for whatever reason, walk into a church. I, uh, a lady stopped me at a Little League baseball game. Derek and I were coaching our sons, and a lady stopped me on our way out one night, a lady that I've known this woman for 15 years probably, Derek knows her too, and she stopped me, and I knew she was not a churchgoer. I knew that her husband absolutely is, it, it does not take an interest in Christianity whatsoever, um, and she stopped me and said, I've been watching every week on Facebook Live, and I would swear that you were talking directly to me. Mm-hmm. And there was no greater compliment that that woman could have given me that night, not because she liked my sermons, but because it was personal to her. And she watched it on TV. And, that, and that's why it's so important that the church does engage in this digital era, right? Because that yeah. that opportunity does not happen, right, in the church building. It, it does. She wasn't going to come physically to the church building ever. that day, probably yeah, ever. At, yeah, at least at that point. And so this is an opportunity the church has to use technology as a tool to reach people with the gospel, and yeah. that that's that's why it's so important. Yes, not to replace the movie theater but to be able to do something we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Yeah. So we've seen our church specifically overcome uh, the loss of our main worship center. Mm -hmm. We've seen our church overcome the loss of the privilege of meeting together Mm -hmm. in person for a time. And then we've come back and, you know, the, the language to me has felt that, that we have endured and, and are better because of some of these parts of trials. So to, to someone listening who might think, you know, I want in, I want to call myself a part of the body of Christ, uh, specifically within our church's context, mm-hmm. what, what's a, a place that I can go to be able to connect? Yeah. You know, I think there's something to be said by making a phone call or sending an email to the church, just saying, this is who I am and this is where I'm at. You know, I think it it brings us great joy as a staff. I know you guys would agree when we get an email from somebody that says, hey, I'm coming back to God and and I need some direction or I'm considering a relationship with Jesus or I just gave my life to Jesus and I need to know where to go le- uh, next. You know, I think obviously, you know, going to the church website is going to give you an idea of our theological stance on things. You'll be able to watch messages. Our C3 Hayes app um, will will be able to, and we have a new app that will be able to not only allow you to watch messages, but to connect with the life of the church in what's going on with the church. 
in 2021. We'll be starting a prayer initiative that every day you'll be able to log on to your app or just open your app and listen to a guided prayer that will help you start your day putting God in his rightful place. So there are so many things, you know, men's, women's Bible studies every Wednesday night that we have at the church. And if we're having church, then we're having Bible study. And if we're not having church live, then that's something that they will do virtually. Uh, so I think those are good first steps. And then, of course, we've got a class that we teach and haven't here for a while because of COVID. It's called Next Steps. And Next Steps, in essence, talks about this. This is what Celebration Community Church is. This is where we're going as a church. This is our vision as a church. This is where we believe God is leading us. And this is what it means to be a church member here. Right. So for the person who uh, has been, you know, watching our services online or has attended services and, and kind of is aware of, of the programming, uh, just to, to close here, where are we going? What is the vision? You know, you mentioned the, the prayer initiative coming yeah. in 2021 right. as a means of making that a part of our normal habitual yeah. routines. But just tell us, you know, all things permitting because the the medium is subject to change. Right. Where, where are we headed right. as a church? This is where the Celebration Community Church bus is going, if you can think about yeah. this. This is where we're going. Um, we know that the most important thing that we can encourage people to do is to accept a relationship with Jesus. First start, you can't go, you, nothing else matters. Nothing else for eternity matters if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So if there's anyone listening to this and, and you've been considering that, or you're like, man, I need to check into this, uh, there is no ability to find fulfillment in your life aside from Jesus. And because he's the giver of life. And, and so there's that. The next thing that we want to make sure that our people understand is that we need to, not out of legalism, not out of guilt, and not out of being pressured or feeling obligation to grow in our faith. We call that, uh, recently we, we, we call this spiritual development. You can call it spiritual growth, or if you want to get real churchy, discipleship. And it just means simply to grow. Uh, the word disciple, to grow. And so uh, that is what we're encouraging people to do. There are several different spiritual disciplines. And again, another word that has bad connotation, discipline, who likes discipline, right? It means punishment, you know. Um, uh, disciplines uh, include uh, time with God each day in prayer and in his word, the Bible. Um, spiritual discipline is, is uh, for some people, fasting, uh, doing without something for a period of time in order to uh, put your focus more on God. Uh, spiritual discipline of gathering and growing with other Christians. You know, there's a whole list of spiritual disciplines that, that growing Christians adhere to and desire to do. Obviously, uh, the Bible and prayer are two absolute key, irreplaceable spiritual disciplines. 2018, as a church, we encouraged people to read the New Testament together, and, and hundreds and hundreds of people did that. And 2019, we read the whole Bible together, and hundreds of people did that. And 2020, we are going through a verse of the week that we encourage people to memorize, that is contained within a chapter. So uh, we have studies that we send out every every week that will give you information on understanding the passage that that verse comes out of. It's another spiritual discipline is studying God's word, not just reading it, but studying it. And then in 2021, we're going to shift gears and, and hopefully our people are in the habit of being in God's word each day, the Bible, that we begin the process of really looking at our prayer lives. How do you pray? What's it mean to pray? Is there a right way to pray? Or is there one right way to play, pray? Is it okay to pray for myself? You know, all of these things and questions that people deal with and wonder about prayer, we're going to cover in 2021. We'll start out 2021 with a series, a sermon series on prayer. And so stemming from that, we'll have that on our app every day that you can have a five to seven minute devotion followed by a prayer that, that I will lead that, that will 
kind of help us together as a church family. Again, another way that we're not together, it's kind of like watching the, the movie live streamed from our own houses, but together we're still connecting together in that we're praying about the same thing. We're praying for our teachers today. We're praying for our government today. Uh, we're praying, you know, and, and so I think that's going to be a beautiful thing to bring our church together. So those are just some, some basic steps that we can take. Our church also understands the need to have uh, people that we are serving, people that we have a heart burden, we call it for. And so we do things for the uh, individuals with developmental disabilities. We do things for uh, orphans. We do things for children in need of foster and adoption, which is so close to my heart. And I know you guys' hearts and in our church as a whole and have dozens of families or people who have become foster parents in the last couple of years. And so it's looking outside ourselves and saying, okay, What's Jesus want me to do? Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. Yeah, and so so to summarize everything that you just said, this is where the the kind of mission statement that we have comes from that's mentioned in the intro of this podcast. Right. We exist to meet him, grow in him, mm-hmm. and serve through him. That's, that's right. Those thoughts you just shared is where that comes from, and that's the bus. That's the heart of Celebration Community yes. Church. And, and as it's you all were, about... Him, right? Every Absolutely. one of those things. Him, him, him exactly. Him. It's not about us. Yeah. Um. And and Pastor Brandt, I I loved what you were talking about there with prayer, and and I I think it would be great to have you come back as we get closer to 2021 and have an episode where we're talking more about why is prayer important mm-hmm. and why should we focus on that, and then what is the guided prayer going to look like as kind of an opportunity to to let sure. our people know what's coming in Absolutely. 2021, if you'd be willing to do that with us. Absolutely. Brant, thank you so much for your time. I know that these are, are words that will resonate with me and help me to, to reflect deeply on, on what it means to be a part of a church. So I appreciate you uh, talking to us this well, morning. Well, I just want to thank you guys for doing this. And I think that this is going to touch a lot of people and encourage you, if you are listening to this, to uh, talk up uh, these guys and in, in, in what they feel God's leading them to do with this podcast. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you.